The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something special. Rainmaker FM. And welcome back to the writer files. I am still your host, Kelton Reed, here to take you on yet another tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of renowned writers to learn their secrets. In part two of this file, the business and culture journalist and bestselling author of the recent book, The Revenge of Analog, David Sachs, returned to talk about the writing life, the importance of real things in a digital world, and the revenge of paper. David's a freelance writer whose work has appeared in Bloomberg Business Week, The New York Times, The New Yorker Online, and other publications. The author's first book, Save the Deli, was an LA Times bestseller and won the James Beard Award for Writing and Literature. His latest, The Revenge of Analog, Real Things and Why They Matter, looks at the resurgence of analog goods and ideas during a time when we assumed digital would conquer all. It was long listed for the 2017 Andrew Carnegie Medal for Excellence. Kevin Kelly, founding editor of Wired Magazine and author of The Inevitable, said of the book, the better digital gets, the more important analog becomes. Sachs' reporting is eye-opening and mind-changing. In part two of this file, David and I discuss why you should work regular hours and the author's Cinderella Clause, the significance of unplugging for writers, how to record your audiobook in the same studio as Drake, and why the reward is the work for sustaining your writing. I should mention that this is the last episode of the year for us due to the impending holiday break, but I will return with more great interviews for you in 2017. Thanks for listening. If you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. And if you missed the first half of this show, you can find it in the archives on iTunes, on writerfiles.fm, and in the show notes. Just a quick reminder that The Writer Files is brought to you by Studio Press, the industry standard for premium WordPress themes and plugins. Built on the Genesis framework, Studio Press delivers state-of-the-art SEO tools, beautiful and fully responsive designs, airtight security, instant updates, and much more. If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, see for yourself why over 194,000 website owners trust Studio Press. Go to rainmaker.fm slash studiopress now. That's rainmaker.fm slash studiopress. Well, it sounds like you're a writer who kind of leans into procrastination. You, you like to take breaks and kind of let your, let your brain do some of that work in the background. Um, do you have any other kind of best practices for beating the dreaded procrastination? Oh, God, I'm the last person to ask about that. <laughs> um, you know, have children and pay for daycare <laughs> is one. Um, and, and I think the other thing is, you know, for me, what's worked is like, keeping, you know, let's say regular business hours, um, uh, you know, and, and I think that's always been something like for me in university, I, I, I instituted what I called my Cinderella clause. Like I would never work on something past midnight. Um, <laughs> I, I try to work as close to a sort of nine to five writer being writer version being like 10 to four with a two hour lunch day. 
Um, uh, and that's cause you know, that's what my wife works at her job mm. and I don't want to, you know, be, have to be up late at night doing stuff unless I have to, I don't want to, I don't want to build my life around that, but I have friends who are wonderful writers and also, you know, have families and they have to work at like you know, middle of the night or they have to work at, you know, they have to go to, I mean, everybody has their own thing. Um, but I do find it's, you know, if, if something isn't working, then try, try to find what that routine is. Try to find what's comfortable for you and then, you know, adapt that and change it. And don't be afraid that if you can't, you're traveling somewhere and you can't do it, like you can't adapt it. I mean, I've written things in coffee shops, even though that's not my preference. I've written great stuff on airplanes. Yeah. There's nothing else to do. <laughs> um, and, and I'm too cheap to pay for the Wi-Fi. but I, you know, like, <laughs> There's, there's, there's something great about sitting on an airplane. It's just like, you literally can't even move once you've opened that laptop in that economy seat. This is it. It'll occupy me for the next hour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So how does David Sachs unwind at the end of a long writing day? Oh yes. With my snifter report. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you know what? I, uh, I mean, one thing that's been wonderful about this book is, um, you know, due to research and the ability to claim certain um, items for research under uh, Canadian tax codes, I, I vastly increased my record collection. And, yeah. um, and you know, I do think there's like just something so great about stepping away from that screen and listening to, you know, putting on a record and, and uh, sitting on the couch or the, the easy chair. Um, and just listening to that music and not having to like do anything with my eyes or my fingers, um, uh, you know, reading a book, right. Like reading a novel, um, uh, or a magazine or something like that. I mean, it's very, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, those are things. And then of course, you know, getting outside, doing something with my kids, um, skiing when the snow falls, we were talking about before, um, you know, I was lucky that as I was writing this book over the course of the summer, you know, we have, we're fortunate that my family has a house on a lake outside Toronto. And so like the paddleboard breaks were, were amazing or just like going and jumping in the lake. Now that's, that's the ultimate, that's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the, the fallback all too often, which doesn't actually help me relax and only increases my anxiety is like, Oh, click what's happening on Facebook. Click what's happening on Twitter. And then just the depth, the depths of despair. <laughs> and, you know, pre, we're, we're talking pre-election depths of despair. Like, oh, man. Oh, what's this person doing? Oh, they got a bestseller. God damn them. <laughs> I'll never be as good as them. Oh, look at them. They got, where did they, Oprah picked their book. Oh, you know, I think, um, I think it's just, it's not healthy. <laughs> it's not healthy at all. Yeah, no, it can't be. And uh, we all are probably guilty of it in this in this era. Um, but yeah, like you said, those those uh, he, you know maybe it makes us more human to um, to kind of have everything you know that prosthetic brain that we all share now uh, is there, and then to be able to just turn it off and go outside. Yeah. I, I think that's the healthiest thing because again, you know, in those spaces, in, in those times when you're outdoors, even if you're walking to the store to go get 
milk and whatever. I mean, that's, that's, that's that mental space you need in order for the idea to come to you, whether that's the thing that's going to help your paragraph kind of go the place you want it or, um, or reshape the book or even the crumb of the idea that could lead to the next project that for know, sure. takes you to the next book. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime that's patreon.com slash the writer files help us start something cool and special keep calm and write on yeah yeah and that's that creative process it's like you know you're putting all that information in there your brain is doing a lot of that work for you in the background and i think you know being able to unplug allows your brain to work work more efficiently for you to give it you those the, it needs the space to think right you can't yeah. you can't just click your way to it, to the next idea. Um, yeah. and, and I do find that there, there are moments when I, I am, you know, in desperation doing that. Right. Uh, and, uh, it, it never, you know, it, it never gives me what I want because, <laughs> you know, again, it's just, you know, you're just looking at what other people have done and, um, and you know, that the, the there's no space. It's, it's occupying all that space in your brain. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the screen. I'm, talk, I'm talking about the internet. <laughs> yeah, Those yeah. listeners who just tuned in, <laughs> which I think is impossible in a podcast, um, <laughs> we're talking about the internet. Um, if you're just tuning in, I'm here with David Sachs. <laughs> if you're just uh, tuning in, you have some sort of technical <laughs> problem with your phone and you need you, to take it back to the store. You can, you can easily rewind uh, with your finger. This is not an analog broadcast so you're in luck um well i'd love to keep talking to you uh i don't know what your time time looks like or if you have a time constraint but um i've got a few more questions you tell me if you want to keep going Um, i have nothing but but leftover indian food waiting (laughs) as soon as i hear your stomach grumble over there we'll uh shut it down uh, so this, you know, not not talking about writing, but um, I had the fortune uh, both with this book and the last book to do the audiobook and actually be the one to be able to record it. Oh, that's great! And so you're in like a sealed, soundproof studio, different than a radio station. Yeah. Um. Uh. This was actually the same recording booth that like Drake recorded the vocals of <laughs> you know his previous album on. Of course. Um, so you know, obviously, my entourage was ten deep. <laughs> uh. But what's amazing is. You know, as it gets towards like 11, 1130, you hear every grumble of your stomach being picked up in that soundproof booth. Yeah. And, and, you know, you have to constantly go back and do lines because there's like a stomach grumbling and then it's like, (laughs) all right, let's just break for lunch. And then afterward, you know, your your stomach's digesting what that was. (laughs) So there's. There's like, the, by the last day, I was like, okay, I'm going to eat this. I'm going to have a snack at this time. Like, I'm going to, but I'm going to have this food. Nothing is, it's just, 
it was this, you know, every, every, every medium has its strange constraints. Um, uh, but it was such a funny process. Yeah, that's it's, cool. It's so dictated by hunger and, and what I ate and how much. And I'll have, to, I'll have to listen for that more carefully. It was all, <laughs> I mean, that was, that was, you know, that's why it takes yeah. 20 something hours to record a 10 hour audio book. That's like, wild. It's just stomach grumbling. So was it over a, a few days then or just, uh, yeah, it was over the course of a week. So a week. Like okay. Four and a half days of, wow. of recording. Wow. Um, uh, and it's, you know, it's pretty intense. I mean, it's intense, first of all, to read your book out loud. To just one guy in a booth kind of nodding or... <laughs> well, this time there was a producer over Skype from New York and then the audio engineer who actually it was the same guy who did my last book who was in the booth, uh, who was oh, cool. manning the mixing board. Yeah. Um, and they're in the, the headphones and they're like, oh, go that one again, go back from, you know, and last week I did read that again because you mispronounced it, did or whatever. Um <laughs> But it's it's such a strange process, and yet I one that I love. If I could do something yeah. else, I would happily be like an audio book narrator. So listen up, Audible. You know, I think it's a question of advantages, right? Like, hmm. I don't think I think people want to own. I was talking about this with a friend who um, is actually the same friend who gave me my turntable. He's a musician and a UN human rights lawyer. So put that together. Um, and he says, you know, he was, he listened to my book on, on, on audible on his, uh, on his phone, you know, in New York city. Yeah. And, um, and then he bought a copy of it. He's like, he's like, cause I, it's like, I never, but he used to listen to books on tape all the time. He said, uh-huh. but I never wanted to own them. Cause like, you'll never listen again to a book. But you might read it again. You might pick it up again. You might flip through it again. You might read a certain thing of it again. You also just want to display it on your shelf. So there's a value to the book as the object, but there's no real value to like the audio tape as an object. It's (laughs) just purely the conduit for the information. Yeah, yeah. Cassette tapes, uh, for sure. I remember. I mean, they're just. But when you get it, also when you get an audio book like from back in the days on cassette, it was like eight cassettes right in a big yeah. <laughs> they're just they're just kind of a clunky they, they, they sent me the audio um the it was like a dvd yeah audio dvd for the last one i did i got a box of them i was like okay I don't know what the hell i'm doing with these but <laughs> <laughs> that's cool um that seems to be the sort of physical format of choice and, and you know yeah. listen like library i know tons of people to get them from libraries we've gotten them from libraries we've gone on road trips yeah these days mostly kids books and stuff but um uh you know, it, there is something there is something good about that. I mean, especially for kids' books. We had the collected adventures of Curious George in our car going for like seven months straight. Oh I mean, it was, That's awesome. It was <laughs> awesomely awful. It was terrible. I mean, every word it would play in my head around the clock. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Just like you get the yeah, you get those jingles and the, those kids' uh, songs and shows stuck in your head, don't you? I'm trying not, I'm trying not to conjure one now, but, um, yeah. So, uh, well, let's talk about creativity a little bit. Um, it does seem intrinsic to what you do. Uh, but do you have a deck kind of a definition of creativity you could share with writers? Hmm. That's interesting. Um, I would think creativity, I never really thought of it, but, uh, I, I would say it's, you know, 
a new approach or perspective to an idea. Um, uh, I don't think it necessarily involves coming up with an entirely new idea. And, and, you know, as someone who writes nonfiction and is a journalist, you know, all I'm doing is rehashing <laughs> various other ideas and reframing them. But I think, again, it's, it's providing a new context and a new view on the world and whether that's, um, you know, writing a book or an article or, you know, a, uh, uh, you know, a, something that, that again, like tells a story or, or gives, you know, an insight or a thought, uh, in a way that's different from some other person, then that's, you know, there's creativity in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when do you think you personally feel the most creative? I think it is, it is when writing, like people ask me, what, what do I like about what I do? Um, I say the money is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, tens of hundreds of dollars. Um, but, uh, you know, usually the part of it that I really love is actually the interview and and being able to have conversations with people, especially in person, especially getting to travel places, um, where you normally would get to go, like, you know, going and touring an abandoned film factory in some random corner of Italy with two guys who are resurrecting it. And that's, you know, that's the part that I'm going to take with me. Um, the sitting down and writing, like I know people who are writers and like they need to write and it's their craft and whatever. I've never seen it that way. I always saw it as a means to an end, but that creative reward that comes when I am writing something and it's flowing and the words are coming out and the ideas are, you know, like I, I feel like I have it down and they're, you know, I don't even know what I'm writing, but it's, it's sort of there. And, and I feel like, you know, it brings a smile to my face. Um, uh, you know, those are the moments, I guess, when, when again, that, you know, that the, the creative process is at its most direct. Um, uh, and it's most rewarding and it's a daunting part too, right? Because to get there, you have to do the research and prepare yourself and know what you're going to say and plan it out and then have the gumption to start typing and keep typing and, and go back and and do it. And I mean, that's after lunch, that's what I have to do. I have to write a op-ed story for, for someone about, you know, something that's loosely tied into the book. (laughs) <laughs> and, um, you know, I've been procrastinating all morning <laughs> right? <laughs> on social media, like an idiot and, uh, you know, like paying my credit card bills, um, uh-huh. willingly and, um, <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, like updating travel insurance. I mean, anything to, to sort of get away from that. And then it'll get to the point where I'll sort of finally dive into it. And there, then there will hopefully be some point where I will have that feeling of, you know, that creative accomplishment, um, in it, or I'll fake it till I get the damn thing done and send it off <laughs> to the editor. Yeah. Yeah. All, all good. All good stuff. Um, all right. So in your estimation, what do you think, uh, makes a writer great? Oh man. Poof. I don't know. <laughs> Wor- words. Words. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I would say it's, it's, Sparking that same feeling that I just talked about in the person who's reading it, right? Yeah. And 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 the great ones are the ones who are able to do it over and over again. 
uh, I, I think that's, you know, a rare talent that even the great writers, you know, struggle to, to continually do because it's, it's hard. But, um, you know, when you think about like Robert Caro and, <laughs> you know, the, the four books he's written, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's all there, right? And, and, and the amount of work and research and decades that go into crafting each of those things. I mean, that's, that is, you know, someone who is a, a great writer and, and, and you read that and it sticks with you forever. And yet there's some other writer who, you know, can, can write a great hot take on some website um, or, or wherever. And it's, it's, you know, hits at the moment and it might be, you know, forgotten in a day, but in that moment, it's, it's also, you know, that they capture it. They capture what your thought is there. You, you know, you, you, you get it at that moment. Um, I think that's great too. Do you have a, um, a couple favorites sitting on your nightstand right now? A couple favorite authors. Yeah. Or online or offline. Are you following anyone else? Uh, I, there's a couple of, of great, uh, things that I've read recently. Um, uh, you know, Virginia Heffernan wrote a really interesting book earlier this year called Magic and Loss, which is kind of approaches, you know, from a cultural critical perspective, the internet and um, the feeling we get from it and the sort of reward that it gets from it. It comes out of her writing it. Hmm. Uh, New York, New York Times Magazine, other places. And that's just like, again, like someone who's a beautiful writer uh, writing on a subject that's very similar to the one that I was writing on, but of a different perspective. Another person that I think, uh, you know, from a more journalist and, and sort of research perspective, but also really excellent was, is that, that I came across that I read for this book is Nicholas Carr, who's another mm. writer on technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is an area that that I was ever really reading on prior to this, um, and and again, really sort of, you know, knows how to build an argument and 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 put it through in a very journalistic way, like not as you know, cerebral and um, emotional as Heffernan is. Uh, and and then, you know, after the election, when I was looking for something sort of to take me out of my mind and take me away from sort of current things, I, I went back to my bookshelf and I pulled a novel by my, my favorite writer um, consistently, Mordecai Richler, who is, uh, you know, one of Canada's best-known novelists, kind of the the Canadian Jewish equivalent of Philip Roth, let's just say, mm. and very funny and satirical and politically astute. And I've, I've been reading that over the past couple of weeks. Um, his, I think one of his no- better-known novels, Solomon Gursky, was here. Uh, and, uh, and just, again, like that love of a familiar voice, even mm-hmm. if I haven't read it in probably you know, close to, to 20 years. Uh, as many writers do, do you have kind of a, um, best love quote hanging over your desk somewhere or kind of in your peripheral? Oh, um, there were a few, I, I, everything that was hanging over my desk actually had to be pulled down to the, uh, <laughs> the office move. Right. But there was, there was a great one that I had, um, which came from a, there was like, a, there's an annual art uh, citywide sort of art night here in Toronto called Nuit Blanche, where there's art installations around the city. And there was this amazing one at the uh, big um, art gallery museum here um, where they had this kind of like assembly line of workers making art 
um, in this really kind of cool, interesting way. And what they were churning out were these, um, I guess, lithographed or, or screen printed signs that said, I'd rather be working. And I picked one up and I have it framed wow. on my desk. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, it's not true. I'd rather not be working. <laughs> <but> <laughs> it's the irony yeah. of the, <laughs> that's yeah. cool. That's cool. Yeah. I'd like so to see I, that. I think that's the, uh, that's as inspirational as it gets. That's and awesome. then there's another, there's another great one, which is a New Yorker cartoon that I cut out recently. And it's a guy standing in a surf, surfboard shop and he's like, what's the best board for someone who talks about surfing incessantly, but only does it once a year. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I remember much, that one. That's uh, pretty much my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I think, um, we can kind of start to wrap up here. I mean, the book, The Re- Revenge of Analog, Real Things and Why They Matter, um, has a lot of, a lot to say about, I think, things that are important to writers. I think, uh, will impart the revenge of print, the revenge of uh, paper, and especially the re- revenge of retail, where we talk about kind of the resurgence of, uh, you know, these kind of independent bookstores and I'll link to that article you did for the New Yorker, which was so great. But I do, yeah. I do think that that writers and listeners of the show should seek out the book um, for those tidbits and all of the other great stuff that's in there. I mean, uh, you know, you're talking about how print really could be uh, represented as the as the truly disruptive tech, and and there's so so many great thoughts in there. I just think um, that uh, uh, are valuable probably to everybody, but especially to, to some yeah. of the people who actually write well, those I, words. I, there's two, two thoughts I want to add to that. One is, you know, I mean, I think it's, you know, to, to continue to be a writer and like to continue to do it is it's tough, especially in this day and age, right? It's, yeah. it's you know, the, 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 the returns financially are decreasing as things go online more and more and print you know, slows in, in most sort of mass market areas, there's just less money, right? It's, you know, the, the web, you know, writing for online, writing for digital things will, will just pay consistently less. That's the economics of it. Um, and, and so, you know, why do this? Like why keep writing books is, you know, the exploration of the idea and whatever. But I think there is, you know, when you get that first printed book in your hand, that box arrives at your house, you open up and it's there. Like there is, there is something, you know, foolishly wonderful and worth it about that. And yeah. when you see it, when you finally see it in a bookstore for sale somewhere, um, it's the same thing. But I will say the opposite, which is like, I have this horrible, stupid habit um, and terrible luck of going to bookstores and looking for the book and it not being there or being like buried on a bottom shelf. And my low point was last week I was in Brooklyn and I was with my family and we were visiting friends. Um, and I went to book court, which is like one of the better known independent bookstores in, uh, in Brooklyn. And I was buying a gift for a friend and my daughter was, you know, there with her friend playing in the kids area. And like, I was like, look for the book. I couldn't find it. And I was like, I hate to ask this, but I had a book come out recently. You know, the Revenge of Analog came out like two weeks ago. Do you have any copies? If you want me to sign, they're like, click, 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 click. Um, 
I mean, it's senior here, the catalog, but we don't have any copies. I don't think there's any on order. And then, of course, I could turn around and my daughter's crushing up rice cakes and throwing them on the ground. Oh, <laughs> so I literally have to ask, go from this point to like asking for a broom oh, no. and sweeping up the bookstore, like some horrible, you know, Dickens like <laughs> moment. I mean, it was just, yeah. It, you know, if, you oh, can, it's it's you know those creamy highs and the and the awful lows oh, fast and furious in this business um <laughs> you know take the take the joy and pleasure where it comes oh man that's so amazing <laughs> <laughs> well that's a good one um you can probably take to take to f- future uh readings and future writers and readers alike uh do you have any advice um for your fellow scribes to just kind of keep going don't go to a bookstore and ask if they have copies of your book <laughs> that's it that's don't give your child rice cakes in a bookstore <laughs> absolutely um, not uh no i mean i think you know you not anyone who goes into this with you know dreams of fame and fortune are um are in it for the wrong reason you know the the reward is the work, right? It's the ability to express your ideas uh, in whatever format that is, whether you write kids' books or you know technical manuals or um, coffee table books or whatever. Like that's the ability to do it is is the is the reward that comes from that. Um, and as long as you're able to sustain yourself while doing that, then that's where you have to find the joy, right? It's the yeah. ability to say, you know, I have an idea and I'm going to express it. And that is out there in the world. Um, and that's, you know, that, that, that has to be enough because, you know, even the best selling authors, there's no guarantee of how it does, um, the next time around. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's, it, uh, it's that pursuit of the idea that has to be the driver. Love it. Lock, Stock, and Barrel with author David Sachs. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Where uh, can your uh, fellows connect with you out there, find your writing, find your books, et cetera? Um, the books are sold uh, wherever um, I would say uh, books are sold. I mean, you could you know, ask your local <laughs> independent bookstore um, because those places are important to support for maintaining a community of writers. Uh, without them, you know, we're, we're all sort of wandering in, in the digital desert. And so, yes, if you can buy it, if you can ask them if they have it to special order it while your child crushes up rice cakes in the corner. Awesome. <laughs> Almost like my child will crush up that rice cake if you don't order the damn book. As a threat. Uh, yeah. Or something even messier. It's like, here's a bunch of applesauce. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, and then, of course, you know, Amazon and and uh, and and Barnes and Noble and 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 all other places. Um, uh, they can get it at you know Audible and various other audiobook forums, libraries, which are extremely important, and I and I support more than wholeheartedly. Yes, sir. Uh, and then um, I am on the Twitter, as the kids like to say, at Sax David S A X D A V I D. Okay. Um, uh, and I happily respond to. Uh, <laughs> all non-racist um uh, greetings (laughs) wonderful wonderful well we really appreciate your time and uh best of luck with the next project and uh you're always welcome back to drop some writerly wisdom on us thanks again my pleasure kelton thank you cheers 
Thanks so much for joining me for this half of a tour through the writer's process. If you enjoy the Writer Files podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on iTunes to help other writers find us. For more episodes or to just leave a comment or a question, you can drop by writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. Bye.